Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Ross Tucker. And it's time for Ask Ross. This is where we take your questions for Ross. And then the best question wins the KSN Polo. If you want to submit a question for Ross, really easy. Download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Ross button. And there you go. Ready for questions, Ross? It is. All right. Uh, Let's start with David from Lancaster. He says, it's been reported there's only about 10 offensive linemen in spring practice. What kind of impact does the lack of numbers have during practices on the offensive line, the offense in general, and even the defense? So, um, I think 10 would be good. I mean, if you had 10 healthy offensive linemen and you're able to have a full first string and a full second string, that would be great. The way they keep talking about it, I highly doubt they have 10 healthy. Uh, highly doubt. So then you really have an issue because you want to get your second string defensive line a lot of reps. You want to get the second string linebackers a lot of reps. Well, who are they going against? I mean, you don't want the starters or whoever your top five O linemen are right now. You don't want those guys taking so many reps that they get hurt. The problem with injuries is that they come in clusters at certain positions. Happens in training camp in the NFL all the time. Here's why. Overusage. So let's say you have 10 wide receivers, NFL training camp. Well, there's three receiver sets, four receiver sets. You got first string, second string, third string. Okay. Well, A couple go down. Now you have eight. Well, now guys aren't really getting a whole lot of rest. They're getting every rep, either first string or second string. They're out there. And then they're doing the drills and everything. So then they are being overused. They're they're taking more reps than they normally do. So then they get injured. Then you have seven. Then those guys are doing more reps. Then you have six. It's a problem. I've seen it happen. It's so weird, Jim. You'll be in NFL training camp and a team will have like six injured guys and four of them will be at the same position a lot of times. Cluster injuries. And uh, it's especially bad when it's the offensive line because it it just makes it really hard to have a practice, really hard to get everything you want in because, you know, I I, I don't know how many offensive linemen are even on the roster right now. I think the they only have 10 on like the roster well. right now because they got a bunch coming in. So if they only have yeah, 10 they're... on the roster and a couple are hurt, how many are hurt? I don't know. But let's say a couple are hurt, you don't have enough for a second string. So then your first string's taking a bunch of reps, and then what happens is you just rotate the other guys that are healthy. They rotate in to try to take some reps off the starters. But a lot of those starters are still taking a lot of reps. And I'm going to be curious to see what they do for the blue-white game. If you don't, even if you have 10 healthy guys, you know, five for each side, what happens if one guy just either needs a rest, just uh, tweaks something, comes out of the game? 
that's why I wouldn't be surprised if they do something a little bit different for the blue-white game just because of this issue, Ross. Um, next up is Nick in Harrisburg. He's, Nick says, it was a pleasure hearing what makes you cry last week. But let's get down to brass tacks. Name two former teammates you'd want to have your back in a bar fight. Ooh. Um, well, one is a college teammate. And uh, his name is John Ravishay. He was an offensive lineman. Uh, our junior and senior year, I was right guard, he was right tackle. So you really form a bond with that guy. Uh, we were also roommates um, as seniors. So junior year, played next to him. Senior year, played next to him and was roommates. And listen, I'm not going to tell too many stories, but uh, but uh, let's just say I know for a fact in any situation like that, he would be right there and would have my back. I have proof, more proof and more evidence than I'd like to admit or will discuss on this show, <laughs> but I know that for a fact. Um, the other one, it's interesting. I, I, you know, there's a bunch of NFL guys. Um, Richard Seymour is a guy that comes to mind, actually, but I think the guy I'm going to go with, you might not remember his name. But he was a really gifted, talented fullback and special teamer in Washington, Mike Sellers. He was a bad dude. I mean, picture this, Jim. He was a, 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 a fullback, right? Like a fullback tight end type. Nobody would mess with him. Like, he was, he was the alpha of that team in Washington. He was the guy. 6'3", 275, but fast, could run, okay? This guy was a pro football player at age 19. He's from Washington State. He was the player of the year, but I guess his grades were so bad that he went to Walla Walla Community College for a year, and rather than go to college, he went right to the CFL. He was playing in the CFL because they don't have the same rules when he was 19, and he was dominating, absolutely dominating. So um, big, big fan of Mike Sellers. Ended up having two stints with Washington. His second stint was eight years. You know, he, he was a pro football player from 1995 through 2011. That's a long, wow, career, that's a long career for a fullback, tight end, special teamer. Mike Sellers, look him up. You know, it, Mike Sellers sounds like an interesting guy, but I want to go back to your Princeton days and your Princeton teammate. And all I could picture in my head is the rough and tumble hard streets of Princeton. So you really needed backup there in that tough town, didn't you? Um, you know what? You'd be surprised. It's still college, Jim. It's still college. What can I tell you? A lot of uh, 
a lot of a lot of rich kids couldn't handle their liquor. It's a it's a problem. That's part of the lessons that they needed to learn in college. I always said, you know, it's funny too. You know, you get accepted to Princeton, you're feeling pretty good about yourself, you know, and and feeling pretty. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about like every kid that gets accepted there. You're like, oh, I got into the best school in the country or whatever. I've often said the first thing they should do when you get accepted to Princeton is they should punch you in the face just so you know what that feels like and that that's a real thing that can happen to you in life if you act like a jerk. So don't act like a jerk. Don't talk trash to football players from Reading, Pennsylvania. This isn't your New England private school. We actually hit people here. We actually throw punches, okay? Like, this isn't like the movies where you just say, no, I'll beat you up. No, I'll beat you up. Like, I don't have time for that. I'll just punch you in the face and end it and go get a beer. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I know a lot of people who would think the same way about any Ivory Leaguer and have already expressed that opinion, Ross. So um, being raised in Berwick, it's not the most sophisticated town, by the way. So anyway, it's probably a lot more like Reading than it is like Princeton, New Jersey. Let's move on to... Uh, Brad in Pittsburgh, who says, do you like the approach Penn State has taken with guys like Tar Burton, Zariah Fisher, and now Abdul Carter, where they start them at linebacker and then they end up moving to defensive end? To me, it seems rational that they would be further ahead quicker if they focused on defensive end right from the start. That's an interesting question. I mean, they have, they're not going to do it with Abdul Carter. Where is that coming from? Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't think they're going to do that with Ross, Abdul I'm Carter. I'm just reading the question. Um, here's what I would tell you. I think – Um, no, maybe he said Tar Burton. Maybe I heard you wrong. Um, he, he said Tar Burton, Zariah Fisher, and he said, and now Abdul Carter. Yeah, I don't know that that's the case with Abdul Carter. I, I, don't, I, 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 don't, I haven't heard that. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm missing something. But um, here's what I would say. First of all, these guys played linebacker in high school. They want to play linebacker, right? They think of themselves as linebackers. They're coming to linebacker you. That's what they want to do. You got to give them that opportunity. You, know, you got to give them that chance. If that's, how, if that's what they want to do, give them the chance. See if they can do it, you know? There are big linebackers. That can do it. You know, there's, um, you think about in the NFL, like Vander Esch and Tremaine Edmonds. Those kids are both like 6'5", 250. I met them when they were getting drafted in the first round. You can be as big as Tar Burton and as big as Fisher and be a linebacker and a dominant one. I think those guys just, um, those guys just aren't quite the athletes that Van Der Esch and Edmonds are in terms of, you know, moving in space. So number one, you got to give them that chance. Um, and I don't think it really hurts them. It doesn't really hurt them to know what the guys behind them are doing and to see if they have that sort of position versatility and athleticism. Look, Lucada was able to play both, and that really helped Penn State. Parsons is a guy that everybody thought, 
Put him at defensive end. Put him at defensive end. And honestly, maybe they should have. He's pretty unbelievable. But he was pretty unbelievable at linebacker, too. So I think it makes perfect sense to give those guys a chance and then go ahead and uh, move him to defensive end if you think that's a better fit. Is the Ross a trend starting where having that hybrid guy who can do both things and maybe some of that training at linebacker. There was a play Jesse Lucada made last season at defensive end where he kind of went back in coverage, made, I think he intercepted the ball, but I remember saying to myself, that's a linebacker making that play, not a defensive end. So there's a crossover in the skills. Yes. A thousand percent. You know, if they ever need to drop in coverage, anything like that, there's value. All right, that is it for our Ask Ross segment. Stick around for quarter number four. We got a special guest coming in. Hi, this is Ted Brand. I'm a member of the Penn State Board of Trustees, and I'm up for re-election along with Barb Duran and Bill Olsey. And one of our goals is, again, to freeze or even reduce tuition. And the way to do that is cut costs and get more students at the Commonwealth campuses, which would generate as much as $180 million. Re-elect trustees Ted Brown, Bill Oldsey, and Barbara Duran. Vote trustee ballot positions 238. Request your ballot at trustees.psu.edu. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. <laughs> 